Welcome to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat, where I talk to entrepreneurs and business people from all walks of life and all levels of success, from millionaires to the people who are just starting out and everyone in between. My objective is not only to learn about their businesses and goals, but about their challenges and fears as well, all with the hopes of helping them and you find a pathway to success. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm so excited that you're joining me today for an interview with my friend, Harag Kalebjian. And Harag is the head of business operations at Henry's House of Coffee in San Francisco. After a long career in corporate America, where he worked in corporate finance and operations for companies like Blue Shield and AAA, he decided to leave corporate America in 2013 to join his family's coffee roasting business, uh, which I mentioned, Henry's House of Coffee. And since then, he's learned a ton about being out on his own, trying to implement change and growth in a traditional business. And most importantly, along the way, Harag is married and he has three boys who are 11, 8, and 5. Harag, welcome to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, really cool having you on. It's, it's so interesting. We were just catching up. You and I worked together about six years ago. I, I think we figured 2012. You were working at yeah. operations and finance at AAA. And uh, I was working as a consultant at BTS. And we did a project together where I was uh, developing a new uh, leadership development program. And we had to yep. tie in, you know, interview all the executives and tie in operations. And I remember working with you to try to make sure we got all the financials right yeah. in that business simulation. And hadn't talked in a while. Surprised to see you pop up as uh, you know running a coffee roasting <laughs> business, no longer yeah. in, in operations or finance. So, tell me the story. Tell me your your origin story. How, you know what happened and how'd you get into what you're doing? Sure, today? sure. You know, around 2012, when we were doing a lot of that management training, um, I just kept thinking about my father because we would talk about you know what it takes to run the business, what's important, what sets you apart. And I kept thinking, oh, that's important. I should tell my father or oh, that's a really interesting trick. I should have this discussion with my mom and dad. And that slowly led to me just saying, hey, there's this business that my dad's established for a really long time. He looks, he's looking to retire pretty soon. I would hate for it to just kind of go away or be sold. I don't think I want to dip my toes in that and see if I can give it a shot. So I made the switch in July. July 1st was actually my first day there of 2013. I can't believe it's going to be five years. I mean, that's amazing to me. Yeah, man. Sounds like that, that time goes by fast. Yeah. That had to be a big change. I mean, going from, I, you know, I've done a little bit of this, but not to the extent that, that you have, you know, going from a corporate yeah. world where, especially in insurance companies where, I mean, let's face it, a company like AAA, it's a pretty standard nine to five or eight to four or whatever yep. the, you know, hours were there. Not as tough yeah. as even some other bigger you know, like professional services firm or something like that to go into running a small business where I'm sure there are things just that you have to deal with 24 hours a day. Right. So what was that? Yeah. What was that switch like for you? Yeah, it, it was tough. Like, like, you know, when the bathroom doesn't work or your toilet doesn't flush, you know, you're a, <laughs> you're a, you're a small business owner. You're focused on roasting coffee and your employee says, Hey, the, the bathroom is flooding. You know, those are the types of things that you really, can't even plan for when you own your own business and you end up spending time on those things when you really want to focus on growth or product or, you know, whatever it is that you really enjoy. I think the, the biggest thing that's, that, that stood out to me was if I'm in this business, how can I get to a point where I'm going to enjoy what I'm doing 
and try to figure out ways to get other people to do things that I don't enjoy doing. And the biggest, biggest thing for me was managing the retail aspect of the shop. So just to take a step back, you have a retail location. It's in San Francisco in the outer Sunset District, but we also do wholesale and then we also sell online. So anyone in the U.S. can buy our coffee. Um, and I really enjoyed kind of the business development side, the wholesaling and particularly the online side. And I didn't enjoy the retail. And part of that, I think, has, has to do with me growing up in the business. You know, I, I, uh, when I was like nine and 10, my dad would wake me up on Saturdays and bring me to the shop to help him because that's kind of what his dad did. Yeah. And I wanted to watch Scooby-Doo. I didn't want to be in the shop. So that's, that's really why I never joined the business in the first place. I kind of had this like anxiety of like being in the shop and feeling like, you know, I can't go out and play or whatever the, yeah. whatever I felt like when I was 10. So, you know, going back to your question is I had to figure out what do I need to do so that I can focus more on the business development side and not really be a store manager. Cause that's not why I joined the business. You know, I wanted to grow the business, particularly the, the e-commerce side. And I, I, I want to tell you a, a story about kind of what, what kind of shocked me to this realization. Okay. And, and, and this, this is, you know, I think this is really true for a lot of, a lot of folks that work with their families, particularly if they've been in this business for a lot, long time. So, yeah. you know, when, when we worked at AAA, a lot of the stuff we were doing was change management, right? We were trying to change the way that the, the managers were thinking and try to like level up, you know, their performance. And one of the things we were talking about was, you know, when you're coming into an organization that's been around for a while, change is really hard. So uh, you, you're going to, you're going to run into some issues when you're trying to implement some change. And I, and I had, I knew that going in. So first three months, I really didn't do much. I was just kind of observing. And every so once in a while, I would realize that my dad would leave the shop and go to Safeway and buy some milk because we would run out of milk. And I kept thinking to myself, man, we're a freaking coffee shop. We use milk all the time to make lattes. We shouldn't be running out of milk. Why is this happening? Right. Yeah. And, you should be planning. Right? Yeah. It should be like standard. So come to realize once in a while when we only had one person that knew how to order the milk and when she would call out sick or if she was you know, busy and somebody else tried to order it, they would mess up and we'd be short on milk. So I thought, aha, maybe I can use this as an opportunity to like start the change, which I thought was like a really small thing. So I remember sitting at my parents' house and I created this milk order form. And it's super simple, right? Here's how much milk we need. Here's how much we have. Subtract the two. That's how much we're going to order, right? Seems pretty basic. Yep, simple. And um, right. So I'm sitting on the couch and I'm explaining this to my mom and dad. And my mom's like, oh my God, you are so smart. This is amazing. I love it. <laughs> oh my God. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I got this big smile on my face being a mama's boy. I'm like, thanks, mom. Love you, right? Yeah. And my dad's being, like, super quiet. He's not saying anything. Uh-huh. And so I'm going through this concept. Here's how I'm going to implement it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I finally, like, turn to my dad at some point. I'm like, dad, what do you think? And he, like, looks at me and goes, I feel like everything is being taken from me. Ooh. And I was like, what the F are you talking about? Yeah. This is a goddamn milk order form. It has, right. It's like one-tenth. One hundredth of all the stuff that we do in the shop, and yeah. you're feeling like this whole goddamn store is being taken from, right? Like it, I was like, it, what did I get myself into? But what does it represent? Yeah. So, you know, 
10 years of corporate background, all this management change, all this stuff that I had, I had no idea that something as simple like this could have such a big effect on my dad and the business. So from that point on, I had to kind of rethink on, you know, what I'm going to do. Because my whole point was, I'm going to come into the shop in six months, I'm going to hire a store manager, they're going to run the shop so I can focus on growing my online business. Yeah. And that sure as hell was not going to happen if my dad was panicking because I was creating a damn milk order for him. Right, because you're changing right? things. You're, you know, yeah. You have a tried and true method and you're trying to change things now. Yeah, yeah. Huh. And, you know, you know, talking with talking with other you know, people in the industry, folks that work with their family, it was like, it was like sitting in an AA meeting with each other because we were like, <laughs> we, we had the same thoughts, you know? Yeah. Other people have dealt with this. So, too. yeah. And maybe I was naive. I thought, you know, six months to a year, I'd be where I was. But to be honest, it took five years to get to where I want to be. Hmm. Five years. So now I do have a store manager. I only focus on wholesale, mainly e-commerce. And we figured out our roles. But it took a lot longer because of that statement that my dad made five years ago. Wow. Is your dad still involved in the business? Yeah. He's old school. He's going to work till he dies. And, and that's fine because, you know, that statement was very powerful and he's, you know, we've had more conversations since then. And he's told me, Hey, look, I'm old school. If I don't work and I go home, I'm going to be bored and I'm going to get in arguments with mom or, you know, like, I'm just going to, I'm not going to know what to do with my life because I've worked my whole life. Like, yeah. So, Hey, as long as he's competent, as long as he wants to do it, it keeps yeah. him young. Yeah. You know, feel free to do what you're doing because I I didn't I never wanted to come in and feel like I'm ripping something away from him. Yeah. I felt like I wanted to come in and like be like, look, Dad, are you proud of like all the stuff that we've accomplished? That's kind of what that's the main goal that I wanted. To do. Right. Yeah. So you guys got to be aligned on the vision and the strategy and what you want to do with stuff. And yeah. if you're not, then yeah, that can cause yeah. a cause a big problem. This episode of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. At Advantage, we offer creative learning solutions that can help accelerate leadership development, business acumen, sales performance, and business results. Our clients say we're imaginative, collaborative, insightful, and fun. For more info, visit AdvantagePerformance.com or call us at 415-925-925. 6832. And now back to the show. Yeah. I want to go, I want to go back to uh, your younger years because I'm curious. You grew up in yeah. a family business. You said you were over there helping, you know, in your teen years on Saturdays when other kids were watching TV or whatever. Yeah. You have, did your parents want you to join the family business right away and, and come work in it as an adult, or did they encourage you to yeah. go out and do other things? I think my I think my dad wanted me to take over the business when I was younger, particularly you know between the ages of like ten and thirteen ish. He really felt like that. You know, I think part of it is that's all he knows. Like he grew up in 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 an industry and in a in a culture where you just kind of did what your parents did. So I don't think he knew any better, to be honest. Yeah. My mom not as much. My mom, you know, my mom was more of a as long as you're happy kind of kind of attitude. But once I got into high school. And you know, you know how it is when you're like a teenager, you rebel at everything. Yep. Uh, I think, I think he realized like, Hey, if I keep pushing, it's going to backfire. And so I, you know, I wouldn't like come into the shop as often. And he always stressed education. So he'd always say, you know, make sure you get, you go to a college to get your college degree and, and move on. And so when I graduated, I never thought 
I would jump back in the business. Yeah. So you, you figured you were, you had done your time and you moved on yeah. uh, yep. to the corporate world. And then you, you, so were they disappointed or were they, they were happy with you, at no. least, you know, getting a degree and, and moving into, you know, corporate life? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, at that point, I think my dad was super proud because, you know, I had the degree and I was, I was in a corporate environment and, you know, I had some type of a career path and he looked at it like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm proud of my son. I'm excited that he's doing these types of things. But I honestly think like maybe deep down inside, maybe like 5% of them wish that I would come back to the shop. I don't, he's never told me that, but yeah, you know, knowing my dad, he probably hoped that someday I'd come back. Right. So you did, you, you finally did come back and what and was, here the, I am. what was the real, the real pull five years ago was you, you mentioned sort of studying some of the management stuff and wanting to communicate yeah. those things to your parents to help them. Mm -hmm. um, but there mm -hmm. had to be mm -hmm. something that happened that made you think I'm in the wrong place. I really needed back in the family. Yeah. Like, what was that? You know, if I'm, if I'm being brutally honest, I worked my butt off my last year at AAA. You know, the, some of the work that we, you and I were doing, that was some like high level, you know, executive type of work. And I felt yeah. like I put in a ton, a ton of time being very personal. I, you know, I was, uh, I was spending a lot of time at work and not at home. I had just had my third kid. So I felt like I sacrificed a lot. And then, you know how it is in the corporate world, you get your review, right? And I got my review with somebody that I didn't report to because we had um, a change going on in the organization. So I'm mm -hmm. reporting now to somebody that's my boss for like two months. Yeah. And they, they gave me a, a good rating, you know, like, I think it was a, like, if you got a three, that's what 80% of the people got. Hmm. Yeah. And, and it had nothing to do with the money, but it, it, it had a lot to do with what, what they valued me at. And that really pissed me off. And I thought if I'm going to work my ass off this much and I'm going to meet with somebody that only knows me for two months, they're going to give me an average review. Screw that. <laughs> I'm going to go do my own damn thing. At least I get what I put in. Yeah. And that really was kind of the, the fire that, that the match that lit the, the fireworks or whatever analogy you want to use. That really, I remember sitting there in front of my new boss and thinking like, are you kidding me? Yeah. 11 months. I did all this and all the, all the while, you know, I've been thinking about, Oh, I should tell my dad about this technique. I should tell my mom about this idea. Right. And it was just like, you know what? I'm out of here. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, that's interesting. I, I can certainly relate to, you know, this idea of, of, you know, giving up so much control to yeah. the corporate environment and wanting to do things more on your own and really just having, you know, taking the risk, the risk reward, right? If you do great work, then you yep. see the results. Yep. You don't do great work, you see the results, right? And, and that's what it means to be yeah. an entrepreneur, which I was um, glad to have you on here. But that's, it was still a big move to go do that. What financially, how did that compare? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you probably had a good salary. Yeah. You're joining a family yeah. business. You know, what yeah. did that look like? Yeah, that's so true, Andy. You know, yeah, I had a good salary. You get 401k, you get vacation, you get all these like perks and uh, you don't get that at the shop, right? Yeah. You don't have vacation, you don't have 401k. So being a corporate finance guy, I obviously did the analysis. And, and to be honest, I was making less at my dad's than mm -hmm. I was at my corporate job. But the reason I switched because I saw a lot of opportunity and potential for me to make, make more, but it really even wasn't about the money, if I'm being honest. Yeah. You know, if it was, you know, within 80% of what I was making, I was still okay with that because I, look, it was, it was a calculated risk. If I, if I came in and I didn't like it, I could always go back to corporate life. Right. I have the background on that. So yeah, um, try it. You got to try it, man. And, and if you look at all these leaders, all these folks 
that have made it big or, you know, have made a name for themselves at yeah. some point in their life, they took a risk. That's right. Right. Like you mentioned, you mentioned it yourself, no risk reward. And I'm, I'm pretty conservative guy, especially being finance in finance, right. You tend to be yeah. like <laughs> number crunching and stuff. Yeah. So I never looked at myself as being a risk taker, but now owning my own business, a lot of the stuff I'm doing, I'm taking risks. And I'm like, look, if I don't take a risk, I'm just going to be running a coffee shop. And I didn't join this business to run a coffee shop. So let's go, baby. Yeah. Let's take some risks. You know? Right. I like it. I like it's it. Exciting. I, I, exciting, man. I've had these conversations with other people. I've been learning so much about this, trying to develop more of a growth mindset. I mean, taking those risks and yeah. even failing at things, that's what we learn yeah. the most from, right? That's where we, we yep. really grow. So uh, yeah. tell me about a couple of risks you've taken since you've been there. What have you, what have you yeah. taken risks on? What have you failed at that you learned from? Yeah. What's oh man, where, where do we begin on the failure side? <laughs> um, the, the, biggest, the biggest risk I took was we invested a lot of money in building a brand new like, e-commerce site. And that, you know, 15,000 bucks to build a website. Imagine me having that conversation with my dad who just had a heart attack two months ago about a milk order form, right? Talk about risk. <laughs> That's and, Right. Huge. So, but, but here was the thing, right? I mean, risk reward. I'm like, dad, you know, I, I can talk to you about strategy all day long, but you're not going to understand it until you actually see the money. You know, he's an old school guy. So I did a lot of, you know, work on the back end, And I was like, if I want to grow this business and I think that e-commerce is the future, then I got to put my money where my mouth is and I'm going to go ahead and do it. So that was one of the biggest risks. And four years ago, we were doing 20, orders a month on our website and now we're doing like 300 a month. Whoa. That's a, so, that's a big increase. Huge. 15 times. Yeah. Nice. Dude. Amazing. Right. I mean, I'm blessed. It's great, but I have to take a risk and I have to have a plan. I couldn't just be like, Hey, let me try it. For example, we built this website three months later. I was like, okay, I just spent all this money and nobody's buying anything from my website. So, right. uh, what the hell do I do now? Right. Yeah. So another risk, what do I do? Advertise. Okay. Yeah. How much am I advertising? Those are risks. Thousand bucks a month, 2000 bucks a month, 500 bucks a month. Holy yeah. crap. This is a big risk. Yeah. But, but if you're not going to try it, if you're not, if you're not 150% believe in what you're doing, don't bother because you're going to give up. You're going to, you're going to one little like failure point and you're going to be like, Oh, this didn't work. And I failed a ton. I failed a lot. But the biggest thing for me is I, you know, I really, really believe in my dad, in my product, and kind of my vision of, you know, focusing the business on this e-commerce. And as I would tumble, as I would fail, I never thought of it as failure. You use the word learn. Mm -hmm. I always say, okay, what did I learn from this, right? Like we just spent a thousand bucks on this ad for a month and I got, four, I got 10 orders. That's a hundred bucks. It cost me per customer. Hmm. That's a failure, but it's not a failure. What did I learn from it? Who are the people that bought it? Right. What are their demographics? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And all that, you know, what's weird, Andy. Like I never, I was never like this when I worked in the corporate world. Yeah. Meaning I, I didn't find myself so driven and passionate about the work I was doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I, I was a good employee, Yeah. but when it's your baby, right. When it's your yeah. business, it's different. Whew. Different. Oh Yeah. It's so different. So, uh, yeah. You can, you could be, you know, you could be ex kind of excited about your job and your company. You like the, the brand yeah. and everything and you, you are trying, but it's way different than when you go out and you're running your own business and it's, you know, it's, it's 
like directly putting food on the table and it's your reputation and it's your mm-hmm, pride mm-hmm. and what you're building. It's, it's just a different game. Yeah. And then you sprinkle on top of that, the fact that I, you know, I have my dad. Right. And I, and I don't want to, I don't want to F things up. Right. right. This is my dad's business at the end of the day. And like, right. I want to honor him and I don't want to fail because this is my dad's business. Like this young kid comes in and screws everything up. I can't have that. <laughs> so I've got that additional pressure, you know? Yeah. But for me, it's not a pressure. It's a drive. It really yeah. drives. It's like my motor. Yeah. What's a, what, what's another example? I love these stories. You know, that it sounds like the yeah. online thing worked out pretty well. They're still figuring out the advertising. What's something yeah. else that you tried that just did not work out as you planned at all? Okay. Yeah. So, um, when I, before I did the e-commerce, I was like, Hey, I'm going to get all my coffee into local coffee shops because you know, local is awesome. So yeah. I spent like, I don't know, nine months on this like business development of reaching out to supermarkets, coffee shops, blah, 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 and trying to get my, 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 my coffee in there. And it was really, really hard because the biggest obstacle for me was a, there was a ton of competition price. I was a lot more expensive than some of the other wholesalers. Mm -hmm. And then the one that I never really thought about was how the hell am I going to get my coffee there? And I know it sounds really silly now, but if you're a, if you're a coffee shop in Noe Valley and they ordered, you know, 50 pounds of coffee from me, who's going to take it there? Yeah. I was like, ah, shit. <laughs> totally forgot about that. Do I got to pay for shipping now? Do I charge them for shipping? They yeah. weren't paying shipping when they bought it from Peerless, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that took about nine months and I was like, you know what? It's not going to work. And I just, I just cut my losses and I was like, this is, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a wholesaler. Yeah. I'm not set up for a wholesale. And you know, one of my friends, one of my really, really good buddies from college had told me that one of the things he learned really early on in his career is like, if a lot of leaders want something to succeed so bad that they don't look at the the failure and say, I got to cut my losses. Right. Right. It's kind of a fine balance of like how much you want to push. And so that was for me, I was like, look, man, take a step back. Do you really want to be a wholesaler? Yeah. You're not even set up for that. So that was, that was an expensive mistake because I had a lot of stuff out there. You know, you got to build brochures and my time calling and, and, and emailing and all this follow-up stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. And that, that didn't work, but you probably got to think a lot more about branding too and packaging, right? Like how is that going to look in those stores? Speaking of packaging, imagine me telling my dad, Hey dad, I love you. Our bags and our packaging and our branding really suck. <laughs> we want to, I need to, I need to spend his, a lot of money on fixing on it, it. Right. Yeah. And it has your name on it, dad. I love you, but it sucks and we need to change it. Oh, and it's going to cost like 20, 25,000 bucks. Wow. This is, this is a branding thing. It's not even like I'm selling, it's not even like building a website. Right. Right. You're talking about fonts and colors and yeah. logos. Yeah. And imagine me having that conversation like, yeah, no, it's not actually like we're going to make any money on it. It's just really more like, Branding. Imagine me having a conversation about branding with my dad. <laughs> I'm trying to picture it now based on what you right? said with the milk. And I, I don't see that going over. Yeah. Right now. Don't, not too well. But, but again, I had a drive. I had a vision. And like you said, I mean, you picked it up really fast. If nobody knows who I am, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to look at my branding and be like, oh, this, this thing looks old. That's right. This looks like a mom and pop shop. And the word mom and pop, uh, it would like drive me off the wall. Yeah. It'd make my blood boil. Right. Cause I, cause, cause I looked at it like you have no idea 
about our business. My dad's been in it for so long. How dare you disrespect? But hey, yeah. get over it, Harad. Right? Yeah. Get over it. That's how it is. Yep. Yeah. Either you can get mad about what everyone's perspective is, or you could seek to understand it and, and try to figure out, okay, how do I sell to them? Right? Because just getting mad about that's mm-hmm. not going to change anything. Mm-hmm. It's not going to help you. Yep. It's like, it's like in sports when like you're in the playoffs and you suck and everybody's telling you you suck and analysts say you suck and then you leash you lash out on them right. or you could go and figure out why you suck yeah you, you know the, the best ones the michael jordans of the world the kobe's the next yeah. day they're trying to figure out why they sucked right How and get so better. so i was like yeah so i was like why do i suck yeah branding you're right let's go let's do it risk 25 grand risk imagine that andy wow. 25 grand risk Whew. So did it, how did that work out? Did you, you, so you hired a, a, like a marketing agency to help with the rebrand? Yeah. And, and yeah, I did. And, and the biggest thing I did was I reached, I, I reached with, out to somebody that I really, really trusted who used a, you know, a branding guy. Mm-hmm. My, my, I have a really good friend who owns um, an olive oil company in Clovis, California. Okay. And he recommended this guy and I was like, Oh, that's cool. How much does he want? Like five grand. And his quote was like, tw- I think it was like 22,000 something. I was like, Holy crap. Wow. But hey, look, you want to play with the big boys, right? You want yeah. people to look at you. I mean, you got to put your money where your mouth is and you got to take that risk. You want to take it or not. Right. And yeah. I took it. I was like, I'm, I'm going in, man. I'm going all in. And, I'll, and, and look, it worked for me. I'm not saying like, you know, I'm, I'm a, a hundred, batting a thousand. Right. But it worked. I hired this guy. He did an amazing job. People like the branding and kind of the concept, but. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work. I mean, you just, you got to take that risk. Well, the important thing there is that, I mean, first of all, you took a big risk. Yes. But you leaned on a relationship to find out someone who had used someone who, that it worked really well. Right? Yeah. You didn't just pick someone randomly yeah. and throw $20,000 yeah. at something. You, you don't know if it's going to yep. work or not. You have a friend who has worked with this guy and said, mm-hmm. yeah, it's results. That's, that's yep. key. That's key. Huge word of mouth, right? Best form of advertising. That's what they say. You hear it all the time. Yeah. And then you act on it. You're like, oh yeah, they're right. Totally true. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny how like reality, you never realize it. Like you hear it, you hear it, you go to school for it, you learn about it, and then reality, you're like, oh yeah, they're right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I want to ask too. You, as you make this transition uh, again, you know, we talked about the it, it being like a, a very different working world from the kind of the cushy, if you will, nine to five, it sounds like you were working more mm-hmm. than the typical person at the insurance company, but going to a business where you, you're running your own business. Yeah. And I'm sure that you could get kind of sucked into working there all hours of the day. But as we mentioned yeah. before, you, you do have a wife and three kids. So how yeah. did your, your working style or hours change and what kind of support um, did you have from your uh-huh. wife through all this? Yeah. Maybe I should put my wife on this podcast so she can also kind of like talk <laughs> yeah, what to would, therapist. What would she too, right? say? What, yeah. would she what would she say? Yeah. Yeah. I lean on my wife a lot, actually. She's like my, uh, she's like my consigliere, right? Yeah. And, and so the way that it, it, it shifted from the corporate world to like the, you know, the small business world is you're at the small business, you're doing your thing. And then you come home, you've got your kids, you do a kid thing, you put them in bed and then you talk about business for the next two hours from like, 9.30 p.m. to about 11.30 p.m. So my wife and I are sitting on the couch. Hey, honey, we really need to focus on Instagram stories. We got to learn it. I'm going to send you pictures. No, nope, that picture sucks. How are we going to target? You know, you're having a lot of those types of conversations now where when we're in the corporate world, maybe it was more like, dude, 
I was working with Andy yesterday and he wanted me to redo his PowerPoint. Can you imagine? Right. It's like, it's a lot of like the drama side. Whereas when you own your own business, it's not just drama anymore. You're like, you're having like very like right. intimate and important conversations about how you're right. going to run a business. Right. Oh man. And do you remember like, you know, just the PowerPoint thing. I think that's just a funny example because you probably got stressed out about it at the time. By yep. the way, for any listeners, I don't think I ever asked you to, to redo my PowerPoint, but uh, you know, <laughs> if, if someone did, you know, yeah, I'm sure you got annoyed or stressed or whatever, but then you get to what you're doing now and that just seems like silly. Yeah. 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 It's true. And it's just different. You know, I mean, you have stress in corporate world. You have stress with your, your own small business. I think the main difference with the small business is that you have this stress that everything is on you. Yeah. Whereas in the corporate world, maybe, you know, you, you work from home or something and it's, you know, you can, you can slack off somewhat, but uh, you can slack off in your personal work too. But then at the end of the day, it's on you, you have employees and all that. It's just like, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. So you mentioned that you, uh, part of the motivation was, uh, was learning about things when you're going through uh, what we did at AAA and like seeing the leadership yeah. programs and stuff like that. Since you've yeah. gone to the shop and you've been working there for the last six years or so, what sort of things, if any, have you done to continue to learn new things, you know, outside of the coffee shop, uh, whether it's books or classes or anything like that? Yeah, a lot of the things that I've done, coffee related, um, I've gone to, you know, like coffee consulting courses to understand, you know, what the industry is teaching when it comes to making drinks or roasting coffee or understanding how to buy raw coffee. But non-coffee related, um, some of the things that I've done is hired consultants to just help me out with certain things. So for example, I really wanted to create some type of an employee onboarding plan for my shop. And I think I know what I'm doing, but I always look for experts for advice. So I've worked with somebody to kind of help us out and create an onboarding plan. What does that look like? What are the requirements and all those types of things? Because I, I always want to learn and I never look at myself like as if I know everything. And I, and I get that from my dad because my dad's been in the industry for since 19, he bought the business in 1982 and uh, he still goes to coffee conventions. He still reaches out to suppliers. I mean, he's, his mindset is I'm always willing to learn and I admire that about him a lot. So I use the same technique, but it's not as much on the coffee side. It's more on like the business, business development side. Got it. Okay. Um, so I'm curious, you know, when it comes to business development, um, you said that's where you're focusing a lot of your time and energy now. And you mentioned the rebrand yeah. and the online sales and stuff. So what's, and you mentioned Instagram stories, what sort of strategies are you implementing? Um, Cause you are selling a commodity, right? Something that, Yep. In theory, I can get coffee anywhere from anyone. It's all over the place now. It's yeah. Thanks to Starbucks, everybody drinks coffee all the time now, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and of course, Starbucks being the big dog in the industry, you're competing with them as well as anybody else, right? So yep. how yep. do you what what's your approach to branding and marketing? How do you get stuff out there? Yeah. That's I mean, that's like the the million dollar question. And I always bring it back to you're not buying a commodity from us. You're not buying coffee. You're 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 buying a part of the, the story and the, and the family. And what I mean by that is a lot of the advertising that we do, a lot of the Instagram stories, they're not like product stories, like in your face, like here's a espresso blend from this mountain and here's the variations and here's the flavor profiles uh, because that's not what sets me apart. 
what sets me apart is that we've been in the business since 1965, that I'm a third generation coffee roaster, that my dad's been doing it for 25 years, that when you order, it doesn't go into some crazy machine. It's being done by Henry and his son and his staff. So the videos that we have are very intimate. They're very personal. We're coming out with one soon where it talks about this milk order form that I just mentioned, because I want people to feel like they're not just buying a cup of coffee. You know, I want them to feel like they're part of the, the Henry's house of coffee family. And they're, we're using coffee as a medium to tell the story about what we've done over the last 50 plus years. I love that. I love that. I mean, if you're familiar at all with like Simon Sinek, start with why, um, his Ted talk is one of the most famous of all time. And he has a book by the same name. Mm. You know, he says very often yeah. people, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Right. Yeah. I keep saying that people yeah. don't buy yeah. what you do. They buy yeah. why you do it. And, and coffee yeah. is a commodity. If you're just buying yep. coffee, you can get coffee anywhere. But yeah. you, I love what you said about people buy a story. They want, they want that feeling yeah. when they buy into a brand, they want that feeling they get, you know, I'm supporting this small business. I'm supporting this family. They made this coffee versus, you know, Starbucks or Pete's is just like some mass produced coffee from someone, you know, yeah. I don't understand. It's a completely different feeling. So how are you getting that stuff out there? As you mentioned Instagram, what else, what else are you doing? Yeah. So uh, that, that's what I was going to lead into. That's a great question. You know, one of the, one of the products that we sell is, is called Armenian coffee. And Armenian coffee, um, the industry term for it is Turkish coffee, if you're familiar with that. It's, a, yeah. it's coffee that's ground really, really fine, like mm-hmm. powdered sugar. Yep. And then you put it into a pot. There's no filter. You just straight put, add water, boil it, and drink it. So Armenians do the same thing. Greeks would call it Greek coffee. Uh, Croatians would call it Croatian coffee. Very like ethnocentric because it's part of everybody's culture and you know talking about one of the things that failed when i first started advertising i was advertising it as armenian coffee and just advertising a picture and it didn't work i spent a lot of money on it but when i started doing videos of a how-to video on how to make armenian coffee of my dad with his accent and you know his his fingers when i made a video of you know my mother-in-law serving it at uh at easter it created this like visceral reaction, right? Mm. Because people, people listen to this, Andy in LA has Los Angeles has a huge Armenian population. Right. Yeah. And they that. buy, you did right on. Yeah. So you, you, you know, you know about Glendale. our folks down there and yeah. oh man. Yeah. Armenia yeah. basically. So yeah, uh, you could buy Armenian coffee at a local, you know, Middle Eastern store. It's probably right. seven bucks a pound. Right. And my Armenian coffee is $17 a pound. It's almost three times the price. Okay. So the why, why the hell would, you know, a mother three times the price, wait three days for their coffee to arrive yeah. instead of just walking down the street and by the shop. Right. Right. So, you know, a lot of the things that we do is telling the story. You're buying the story. Mm-hmm. It's our, it's a Facebook ad of my dad creating the Armenian coffee, the Armenian coffee bag itself. It has our Armenian letters in the background, ah. kind of like ghosted, right? Because yeah. because our language is extremely important. Yeah. When they buy, they go they go into a, an email marketing automation on the back end where I send them, you know, videos and tips on how to make Armenian coffee or mm. why we have letters in the background, um, and how we roast it and videos of me roasting it because, like I said, they're not gonna go down the street and buy six dollars worth of crap. Yeah. 
they're going to buy an $18, right? Three times the price. They're going to wait two to three days to get this coffee because yep. it's Henry and it's Harad, you know? That's right. And that's, the story. that's, yeah. And you, you know, uh, we worked, when we worked together, we worked with, a, we worked for a guy named Jeff Hawkins. Right. And he had this, he had this statement one time in one of our meetings, the managers were complaining that AAA's insurance was too expensive. Yeah. Right. We were probably the more, on the more expensive side. Right. And I remember telling them, if you can't, if, if you can't compete on price, stop talking about price. Right. And it seems so simple at the time. Yeah. But it's so damn true. Yeah. Right. You're not, you're not buying AAA insurance because you're buying it because when you get an accident, you're going to get X, Y, and Z. You're going to get real parts and all these things that he's right. trying to tell us. And so I use some of those with me. Like you're going to, I'm not going to compete on price and I'm not even going to have that conversation with you. Yep. And it's it's difficult because you can imagine the Armenians from Glendale, Harag, your price though, it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. Why is it more than, why is it $18, right? <laughs> right. Hey, I get it, but you're not buying, you're really not buying coffee at that yeah. point. Yeah. You're buying my story. You're buying the tradition. Right. And everything that goes yeah. with it. Oh, that's so good. And that's hard though. Yeah. Yeah, Andy, you know, you can compete on price all day long. It's easy, but like, you're going to get like from a quality customer, uh, a, a lifetime value customer. Yeah. When you compete on price, that, that, that customer lifetime value is like really bad. Yeah. You know, but if, if you can get a high quality product that you're not competing on price, you're going to get a lot of retention. If you're yeah. going to get a high quality if customer. If they like it, they're going to buy it again, right? And they're going to buy it again and again. Yeah. And I feel really good about it and recommend it and say, are you, this is a family reporting. Yep. You got to, you got to get into this. Uh, that's, that's cool. Hey, Rug, so for anybody listening that is um, thinking about making a jump into, her, into entrepreneurship, leaving the corporate world to become an entrepreneur, especially if maybe they're even thinking yeah. about joining like a small business or a family business or something, what's one yeah. big piece of advice you would give something they should be thinking about or doing as they're making that move? Yeah, my biggest thing is that don't look at everything as a failure and look at it as a learning opportunity. That's the biggest number one thing that I tell people all the time. Because you're going to fail a lot. You're going to fail a ton because it's something that you maybe haven't done before or it's really, really difficult to compete in or you're having issues with the people that you're working with. But stop thinking of it as a failure yeah. and start thinking of it as a learning opportunity so that you can do it differently. I love that. It's such a good mindset. It's a, it's a shift. Yeah. I've made that shift over the last couple of years, but it, it took a while from that you know fixed mindset, the growth mindset, if you will, that you do think about failures as learning opportunities and you see you start studying the best leaders and entrepreneurs and they all think about that things that way right keep trying stuff yeah that's you know even if it doesn't work out i learned something i grew you know i grew i grew as a person i got Mm -hmm. better as a business person and at the end of the day you know even if no matter what happens like the world doesn't stop turning you know you're still alive you still got your family and you'll figure something out right amen yep agreed That's 100%. cool, man. I'm I'm trying to take more take more chances as well, and and uh, figure out how to grow my business. And this is uh, this is a great conversation. I really I really enjoyed this. For anybody listening that wants to get in touch with you, especially if they want to order some Armenian coffee, some great coffee from a family roaster in uh, California, where do they go? They're going to go to henryshouseofcoffee.com. All right, henryshouseofcoffee.com. I, I imagine you have those videos up there as well as uh, a place to order coffee, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. You go to henryshouseofcoffee.com, super easy to order. 
we have an about us page and we have two videos one of them from my dad's perspective and then one from my perspective to tell you why uh why we do what we do awesome and what's the instagram handle at henry's house of coffee at henry's house of coffee there we go easy enough all right yeah. thanks so much for coming on the entrepreneur hot seat this has been a lot of fun and, and really interesting and just great to reconnect with you so thanks so much for coming on thank you andy and best of luck to you as well my friend yeah thank you good luck to you take care thanks for listening to the entrepreneur hot seat you can find more information at entrepreneurhotseat.com or my personal website andystorch.com please don't forget to leave us a review on itunes and if you have any questions or comments, or if you are looking for ways to take your life and business to the next level, you can send me an email to andy at andystorch.com. Take care.